Hi, and welcome to today's episode. Before we jump right in, I wanted to just to quickly come in and say hi, I'm Adriana. And if you could please hit subscribe to this podcast, if you have listened to my other ones, and you've enjoyed some of the resources that I put out there. And if you could also kindly rate this podcast, I would love a five star review, but you know, you rate it as you feel I have earned. So if you could please subscribe and submit a review and share this with anyone that you feel would benefit from family chemotherapy podcast. Thank you so much. Welcome to family chemotherapy, where we discuss ways to cope through a pediatric cancer diagnosis. I'm your host, Adriana Lewin. Hello, and welcome to today's episode. Today's episode is about handling scan anxiety or any labs or tests that are coming up as a parent. I know that we have a tendency to struggle a little bit with um, anxiety, hence the, the term scan anxiety, but I know that doesn't apply to leukemias and other types of um, cancers that don't have to do MRI scans or any of the CT scans or x-rays. So, um, oops, sorry. I'm going to take a quick drink of water because I've been surprisingly very dehydrated. So um, what I'd like for to talk about are just different ways to cope during those days. Um, I will be one to admit I've had, well, we did scans. My kid needed MRIs. And there were different things that I did to help my, my cause and my situation. So first I'm going to start with timing. I found that there was one time that I actually had, I would say a panic attack. That was the only time in my life I've ever felt physically in my body, just so like my adrenaline was in overdrive. And I felt like I wanted to cry and like crawl out of my skin and the knots in my stomach. It was just a horrible feeling. No, I didn't hyperventilate. I did do a lot of breathing throughout that. And, you know, as a therapist, it's like, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Um, but it wasn't helping. <laughs> so my amygdala, the little piece of my brain that's like sending out all the hormones that fight, flight, or freeze. Well, guess what? It was it was in overdrive. So um, in that situation, I learned a few things. And that was I hated waiting for results. So, um, I started making it a purpose to schedule my scans, um, as much as possible on days where I could go visit with the oncology team before that it was like, okay, we we had scans on a Thursday and Wednesday or Thursday, and we would have clinic on Monday and I would cross my fingers and then start calling because I'm that parent who was like, hello, do you have the results yet? Um, I'm sorry, I, pardon my French here, but screw waiting around. I'm I'm not about that game. I had to know as soon as possible and the squeaky wheel gets the, the grease or the oil, however the you know saying goes. And by golly, I would be the squeaky wheel because having to wait was torture. I waited a whole day and that was torture. I felt like by the end of that, oh my gosh, they haven't called me back. This has got to be bad news. They're like meeting with each other. Like in my mind, it's 
it's the imagination, right? Like your imagination is your worst enemy in that situation. So I basically went out of my way and said, is there any way I can have scans on in the morning results in clinic in the afternoon? Like, let's make this happen. And that's one of the ways that I've gone about learning how to advocate, even just for that basic step that seems so silly, right? But it definitely has been helpful. I don't know if it's been the game changer because ever since the first panic attack, I did have a couple more appointments that were a little bit later in the, you know, same setup Thursday with a a Monday clinic appointment. And I was just like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to feel like I'm bothering you guys trying to get answers and then feel like, you know, oh, here she is again, squeaky wheel. So I know they're used to parents like us, but still, um, I'd rather just know that I'm going to have a test and no matter what, I will have answers in the afternoon. So timing, advocating for yourself. If you're not already doing that, um, advocate for yourself and see how they can work around that. Even if it is, I just did my scans on a Friday or, you know, Thursday afternoon, and I know I'm going the next morning, first thing to um, clinic, even that just, you know, is reducing the time. But when you know that it's going to be days in between, that just seems, seems silly, right? Uh, I know it's not always possible, but at least try. That would be one option. So then I'm going to go into um, self-regulation. When you are in the waiting room and you are anxiously, you know, waiting and dreading, um, your mind begins to wander while your child is being sedated or is out of your reach. There are different ways that people learn to cope through anxiety because that's what it comes down to it's in it's anxiety a form of it um i still think it's ptsd there are other people in the same boat where it's like you're being triggered right you're being placed in the same situation the scenario where you were the very first time hoping that there was not cancer or some very devastating news that you're about to receive and yet you know, here you are again, having to do repeat scans, hoping that everything's okay. Um, so what, what are some of these techniques? I'm going to give you several actually. So this should be a fairly helpful, um, episode to coping through that anxiety. Breathing. You just heard me say breathing didn't necessarily help me. Okay. I was breathing in breathing out. But the thing is, I was already at a very hypervigilant state. So oftentimes we begin to build the anxiety. It doesn't just go from zero to 100, right? It's a slow and gradual build into anxiety until it gets to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm panicking. Um, Most of the time, Uh, there are situations where it does go from zero to 100, but that's not typical. That's not typical for our families. It's I'm sitting in this waiting room. Now I'm starting to feel really you know, anxious, and then I'm waiting, building that anxiety over time. So I, one of the exercises is breathing. And basically what you're going to do, there's two ways to do this. So I'm going to do a very simple way. First it's breathing in for five or four or five seconds. So, right. Four seconds, hold it for a second. 
just hold it there. Even if you held it for a couple of seconds, hold it for a minute. No, don't do a minute. 60 seconds is a long time, but hold it for a second or two and then breathe out. Okay. So when you're breathing out, breathe out a second longer than it took you to breathe in. So if you breathe in for four seconds, I think four seconds is a good count. So just stick with four seconds, four seconds in, hold one, breathe out for five seconds. And as you breathe out, focus on the way the the air comes out from your mouth as it blows past your, I say your upper lip, but it is your, your lip, your upper lip, but as it, you know, pushes past your lips, like it's a straw. Um, I'm not saying upper lip, like, you know, up, up in here between your nose and your lip. I mean, like your actual lip on the top, the top lip. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. The top lip. Um, when I think of upper lip, I think of like, oh, your upper lip stinks, but <laughs> that's not what we're talking about here. Um, hold on a second. I've got my notes that I was using. So breathing in, breathing out, breathing in is actually, um, the science behind it. Hold on. Let me make sure your sympathetic nervous system. When you breathe in your body begins to, your heart rate actually accelerates. Um, and when you breathe out, it engages your parasympathetic system and I like to, like, I imagine the parachute, the parasympathetic, they're like slowly gliding down. It actually decelerates your heart rate. So if you like wear an Apple watch or any sort of like heart monitoring device, right? It's really interesting to observe your breathing as you breathe in and breathe out slowly, what it does to your heart rate. I do this with my kids often, like when I'm starting to get agitated and frustrated and angry, I'm like, look, look, my heart rate is starting to accelerate. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to breathe. And I'm going to show you how it starts to come down. Right. Um, yes, I know. I'm one of those parents. So when you breathe in, your heart rate accelerates. When you breathe out, it decelerates. So it's really important to have a longer breath out. So it helps bring that, um, heart rate down. That's one way to do it. Another way to do breathing is the same concept. Breathe in, do like four seconds in, um, and you're basically drawing a box or a shape, but we'll do a box with your breath. So you would go one, two, three, four in and move from left to right with your breath. So it would be hold, go down as you're holding and then breathe out draw the bottom of that box, hold, go up. And you're literally drawing a box with your breath. You might look like you're crazy while you're sitting there at the, you know, in the waiting room, but whatever it, at this point, it's better than feeling super nervous. Right? So those are two things that you can do in terms of breathing, breathe in four, hold one or two seconds, breathe out five, or just do equal four, hold four seconds, breathe out four seconds and make the shape of the box every time you hold it. Um, or every time you breathe in and breathe out and hold that should give you four sides to make a box. Another thing you can do is the I spy game. 
Um, the I Spy game, it's basically helping you to stay grounded in where you are. Um, when we begin to feel anxious thoughts, we're usually in our head, like our imagination is starting to go off, like the what ifs, I could have, would have, should have, could have, we're running a movie in our mind. So we want you to draw your attention to the here and now and stay present. So it's a very simple activity. It's It can be done different ways. You could basically say, I'm in this room, find five people with black hair, find five neon yellow signs. Um, it's about noticing what you see, uh, find five triangles in the room, um, notice how many circles they are, count them, right? So it's a matter of you basically, and maybe, you know, the next time you go to your appointment, just observe the room when you're not in an anxious state and just observe the room and have that in your notepad somewhere, whether in, on your phone or, you know, if you like to carry around a spiral notepad of sorts, keep it somewhere where it's handy, where you can say, here's my list. Here are the things that I've noticed. And these are the things I'm going to count because it helps. It's almost like a distraction, but it's also bringing your mind back to the present. And then you can do your breathing because you're no longer in that hypervigilant state. See, it all works together. Um, another example is the five finger senses. So imagine, you know, we have the five senses and essentially what you want to do is start out with what are five things that you see in front of you? Like I see a person standing with X and X shoes and whatever. Then I see an empty chair to the right. So you're going through your room, just becoming aware of your surrounding. What do I see? Five different things. Then we're going to move down to what are four things that you can physically feel. And I'm not talking about your emotions feeling. I'm talking about physical feeling. Like I physically feel my sweater. It's nice and cozy and warm. Um, or this is a, I'm not wearing a sweater. It's a silky shirt, right? A blouse. Or I feel my feet firmly planted on the ground. I feel my butt sitting in this chair. This chair is not so comfortable or it is super comfortable, right? What are the four things that you physically feel with your fingers, your legs, you know, just sensory feel? Then you're going to go down to what are the three things that you hear? You might hear music on the elevator. You might hear the conversation of somebody passing by. You might hear the ding of an elevator or just the scurrying of feet. Uh, you might hear the air conditioning turn on, then suddenly turn off. So um, describe or just be aware of the three things that you hear. Then you go down to two. What are two things I smell? I smell my coffee. I smell hand sanitizer. I smell my chapstick. Um, even if you have to produce the smell, keep, you know, smelling chapsticks in your backpack or something. It's when I take my kids to daycare, um, some days they got to come home with a smelly, which was just a, a smelly chapstick, right? A good smelling chapstick that they would just rub on the top. 
And so maybe something like that could be super helpful where you have just a little tiny kit of things that you can engage your sense of smell. And if you have certain aromas that bring comfort to you and just remind you of someone that's brought you so much comfort, maybe it's like a a deceased parent or grandparent, they had a certain perfume. If you just like spray it on a little sheet of paper and, or a little um, relic or medallion or whatever, right? Like if you spray it on something and you have it on you while you're there, that's always something that you can engage, you know, your smelling senses with. Um, And then the final one, what's one thing you taste? Maybe you don't have anything in your mouth, right? So it's like, I taste the dryness of the aftertaste of having coffee. Um, Maybe you take a sip of coffee or you have a soda, whatever. Um, Be aware of like what what it is that you taste. Maybe you pop in a piece of gum um, just to kind of bring you grounded to that moment and just focus on the flavor of that gum. Um, So that is the five finger senses. That is one activity you can do. The other thing I encourage is music. Um, bringing a playlist, whether it be a playlist that makes you cry or a playlist that just brings you calm and relaxation, inspiration and hope, like a Christian playlist. If you're, if you tap into your Christianity as a sense of comfort and resources, um, the other thing could be, um, even journaling. If you were in that situation and you just begin to journal, journal your fears and your thoughts, it, journaling is very therapeutic and cathartic because it it engages the emotion in your brain and it also connects to the logic right so you're able to process emotions but also engage the logic and it's in a way where it's keeping you in what we call that window of tolerance and so um i will talk about window of tolerance in a different episode but really it's just keeping you where you're in the present moment where you're not overstimulated or understimulated Um, so journaling could be something that you could do while you're there, just anything to distract you reading a book, um, reading a self-help book maybe, but maybe you're just like tired of all the self-help stuff and how to be a better person or how to cope with this better. And you just want to escape into a world of fantasy. And that's okay too. Like you don't have to figure out how to be the best parent in the situation all the time because it's exhausting. Um, so going through having a book, um, And then, you know, there's, um, there's different religions around the world that use beads for prayer, like Catholicism use the rosary. I think Muslims have their prayer beads. Um, other people, other religions also incorporate something tactile, like a, a bead of some sort. And so being able to maybe make a little bracelet of a sort, or if you do have a rosary or prayer beads, or if you think just the idea of having them is really helpful. The, um, the motion of rubbing the bead and moving from one bead to another, to another, to another, while you're in prayer or in a state of anxiousness, it actually is also a very calming and relaxing, um, and grounding technique to keep you in the present when I was training to be a therapist, they always said, you know, when you're in a therapy therapy room and you're helping people discuss their really tragic experiences, it's helpful to keep a pillow with like the frills around because people will sit there and talk about their experience while they're like rubbing through the braided, you know, frills of that pillow. So, 
or you've seen like the sequence pillow, like just the idea of moving up and down for kids. I work a lot with, um, Play-Doh and things that they can put in their hands because they, it is again, that process of releasing tension through movement. Um, so those are some options that you have for yourself so that you can, when you're in, in a situation where you're anxious and you're sitting in a waiting room and you're trying to figure out how to cope with your anxiety, that is one way to do it or not one way, but several ways that you can cope through the anxious, um, moments that you're waiting. Um, so on that note, I, I know there's several other techniques. If you have other techniques that have worked for you, if you're a therapist and you're like, Oh, don't forget about this one, please, please do share those with me. And I will communicate those to other people because I, at the end of the day, we just need resources. We need to know how to cope through this and have, you know, that feeling that self of uh, a sense of confidence that we're capable of handling these really big emotions during this really crazy, stressful and scary time. So I hope some of these have been helpful. I will definitely um, continue providing more um, resources for you guys more. I'll come on here and I'll do a, um, I'll create an episode where you can do like a progressive, what we call progressive relaxation to help you uh, work through some of those really tense feelings as well. So on that note, uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, any suggestions, recommendations, by all means, please uh, reach out to me. You can either reach out to me through my email, um, through my website. Um, the best website would be familychemotherapy.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook under family chemotherapy and also, uh, the Adriana Lewin on Instagram. That is my therapy related, uh, that's not specific to childhood cancer, but it, it's still, you know, there is some overlap. So be sure to follow that, that one as well. Um, and my email is Adriana at familychemotherapy.com. And if you have any questions, concerns, you know, whatever it is that you want to talk to me about, that's where you can reach me. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much. If you have found this podcast helpful or you just love the mission for family chemotherapy, please kindly rate this podcast. Also, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest for additional resources that I do share daily. Please tag and share your friends and other pediatric cancer families that you think would benefit from any of the content from family chemotherapy. Thank you, and I can't wait to share the next episode. Together, we can help heal the whole family.